and welcome back to Eric Likes Animals. I'm your host, Eric Mahan. Thank you guys so much for listening. Now, before we talk about our species of the day, we're going to take a quick on trip down to conservation news of the week. First up is the unidentified mystery monkey of Borneo. It is currently believed by scientists to actually be a hybrid between a proboscis monkey, which is the big nose monkeys, for those that might be wondering, and a silver langer. Most species cannot hybridize, so do not think that you can combine a chicken with a dog and make a chadog. That cannot happen. But in this case, it seems like it has. The reasoning due to palm oil production. The thought here is that because of the loss of habitat and the slow decline of these animals, a larger male proboscis monkey went out and found himself a breeding group of langers, and he most likely pushed out the male langer since he is much bigger and bred with the group and created this hybrid. Now, the hybrid monkey that they've discovered is actually already adult and appears to already have a child. The reason why this was not spotted earlier is because of the coronavirus. Scientists have not been able to get out into the field and do research like they normally would do, and they completely missed out on monkeys behaving weird during the coronavirus like some of you. Okay, so you probably didn't hybridize with another animal, but let's be real, a lot of you got weird. Moving on. Scientists think they figured out a way to stop brook trout from becoming an invasive species in many of the United States waterways. And the idea behind it is gene editing. They are planning on releasing what are referred to as Trojan trout, as they call them, or super males, that will not only have one Y chromosome, but two Y chromosomes and no X chromosomes, making all of their offspring males and creating a big sausage fest in which the trouts can no longer breed in those streams. Finally, on our conservation news stories, Florida manatees are jumping the border and actually going to Cuba and Mexico, crossing large open waterways that many people did not believe that they could actually do, most likely risking death to get out of the state of Florida. Now, Most likely, this is due to increased boat traffic and dwindling habitat, but maybe they heard that taxes are possibly going up due to Disney losing its ability to be a county. Or, it also has been very well documented that manatees multiple times have been seen pairing up in same-sex partners, and it's getting a little awkward being down there. So, risking it all, they are moving on out to Cuba and Mexico. And that is just a little bit on some conservation news. Now, moving on to today's species of the day, we are going to be talking about the Selenodons. Selenodons are an awesome, shrew-looking animal that is found in the islands of the Caribbean, specifically Cuba and Haiti and the Dominican Republic or the Hispaniola Island. So there used to be about four species of selenodons, but now we're only down to two. The two that are left are the Cuban selenodon and the Hispaniolan selenodon, which are still alive today. We will be focusing on the Hispaniolan selenodon, but most of the information here is interchangeable except about location and looks. Now, the Hispaniola selenodon is the one that is found on Hispaniola. It is the Haitian and Dominican Republic 
countries. They are found in the forests and brush areas of this island. They are nocturnal, and like I said at the beginning, they do very much look like a shrew, but are kind of a golden reddish brown look or a long face opossum. Now, they are more closely related to shrews, but they technically split away from them about 76 million years ago and are really the only ones, except for the cumin salinodons, that are left in their own order and family. So except for these two, they're fairly unique and have been around since pretty much the dinosaurs. Their lifespan is around 11 years. They weigh about 1.7 to 2.2 pounds or 0.8 to 1 kilogram, making them fairly decently large. They are about 19 to 28 inches or 49 to 72 centimeters, and there's really no size difference between males and females. They also make a variety of different sounds from a defensive chirp, an aggressive squeal, a soft squeak when encountering family members, and a high-pitched click when encountering strangers. It also has been reported that apparently they can make echolocation clicks as well. So there are many things you might notice about the Selenodon, one being its scaly naked tail, which reminds us a lot of about a Virginia opossum or maybe a rat or a mouse, depending on what you think of. But the next most noticeable thing is on the complete opposite side of its body, the nose. So this nose is actually extremely flexible, for you see at the base of the nose is a ball and joint-like setup sort of like kind of how our shoulders are, which gives us all the loosey-goosiness we can do with our shoulders, the same they can do with their nose. This gives them the ability to freely move it across cracks and crevices and really getting into the nitty-gritty places of logs and holes and things to sniff around for to find food. Now, when they do find something tasty in a log or, say, in a hole, Next comes out the big old digging claws, which they're able to rip open logs and dig down to the ground after all those tasty snacks. And the snacks that they're going to be going after are insects, worms, other invertebrates, as well as some small vertebrates like mice and small reptiles and sometimes fruits and roots. Now it's time to talk about how they catch it, because this is one of the most fascinating facts about the Selenodon, and that is that they are are venomous. And they're big enough that they could simply crush the animal or catch it like any other mammal would, you know, just bite down. They got teeth. But these guys actually can use venom to help catch their prey. Now, remember the difference between venom and poison from our Bruno's Cascaded Tree Frog episode, that venom has to be injected into the body, whereas poison can be something via taste or touch. So that's the big difference between venom and poison. And venom is not very common within mammals, and these guys are one of the very few that even use venom, not for a defense, but to actually help to catch prey. Now, their venom is not extremely dangerous. Uh, for the most part, scientists say that you will not die from it. It will be very uncomfortable if you just happen to get bit by a selenodon. It would cause multiple problems like difficulty of breathing, but like I said, would not kill you. Just make it very uncomfortable, so no touchy. Now, 
the venom of the Selenodon works very much actually like a snake. It has a venom gland, which really is just a saliva gland that was specially modified to kind of create venom because venom really is nothing more than fancy saliva. And how they get this venom from these glands into the prey is just like a snake. It is actually injected through the second incisor in its mouth where the tooth has this groove that helps flow the venom through. So the tooth punctures a hole in, say, a worm or a bug or a little lizard. Then the venom can flow through the little groove on its teeth and enter the prey. In fact, the word selenodon is derived from a Greek word that actually means grooved tooth. Now, if you're nervous to visit the island now of Hispaniola or Cuba because you think you're going to get bit and all of a sudden have difficulty breathing from one of these little selenodons, you don't have to worry. Now, they mostly come out at night, so carry a flashlight. (laughs) Also, these guys are way more scared of you than you are of them, so they're not going to be running up and trying to bite you. And the other fact is that they're extremely stinky. All right, their groins and armpits actually give off a very strong, musky, uh, goat-like odor, people describe it. So you will definitely smell these guys way before you see them, just like that kid at summer camp that never took a shower all week long. You can smell that guy coming a mile away. Other selenodons find that smell very sexy. We don't know too much about their mating habits, except that, well, they do it because, well, they keep making more. But there doesn't seem to be a specific breeding season. However, females are known to build a nest and have a gestation period about 84 days and will have about one to three young. We are not 100% sure we know how long it takes for them to be weaned. But a weird fact about them is that for the young to nurse, It's not actually at the chest. Yeah. These animals have butt nipples. Yep, that's right. Butt nipples. So hopefully she takes care under there since apparently that's a dining area and hopefully she doesn't fart while you're trying to eat. The Selenodon does not have the best eyesight. But as I said before, it has a great sense of smell. It has great sensitivity to touch. So all of those different attributes actually make up for their poor vision, kind of like Marvel's Daredevil. Now, the Selenodon's not going to be jumping from rooftops and beating up bad guys, but just like Marvel's Daredevil, they have very heightened senses for smell and everything else to make up for poor vision. Also, they don't really need it as much, especially because most of the day they spend down in their burrow and they only come out at the dead of night. Their burrows namely consist of caves, uh, burrows they dug themselves or found, or even just a hollow log or tree, really any place they can hide away for the day for a nap, which is probably a good thing because they are probably the least graceful animals on earth. I'm telling you, these guys are so clumsy. They have one of the clumsiest gates and really can't jump. They can, however, run and climb fairly fast, but they do it on their tiptoes and they run in a zigzag motion. When alarmed, however, they have been known to actually trip over themselves. And naturally, besides snakes and birds of prey, 
that's all they would have to deal with until humans became involved. Now they have to go up against top predators like dogs, cats, and mongoose that were introduced into the islands and have devastated the Selenodon populations. They also have little clue how to deal with these predators, even just simply by running away. It has been observed that they will stop, stand still, and even try to simply hide their heads away, just like you would while watching a scary movie as something is chasing it down. So, not really the most graceful animals, but also not really the best to deal with predators such as dogs and cats and mongoose. So what does that mean for the Hispaniola and Selena Don? Well, according to the IUCN Red List, it is, of course, listed as endangered. Now, there's many different factors that deal with the decline, mostly being people or the animals that we brought over. But I want to talk about a specific one that we haven't really covered yet, and that is charcoal production. You see, Charcoal production is causing loss of habitat due to them chopping down the forest to make charcoal. Now, charcoal is pieces of wood that have been heated to 400 degrees Celsius or 750 degrees Fahrenheit in an oxygen-poor area. Burning wood is a problem all across the world, okay? Creating charcoal and collecting wood to heat homes and make food for a lot of different people is a very dramatic impact on the environment all around the world, especially because the increasing human population and very slow growing trees, especially in very unsustainable areas like, for example, Cuba, (laughs) but also in more unsustainable areas like Africa, where there's not many trees in some of those regions to begin with, and the trees that grow there take so long, it has become a major problem and is causing a major destruction of habitat. And one of the solutions that it out there is poo. So there are many different alternatives to burning things like charcoal and destroying the forest, but I like talking about poop, so we're going to choose that one. So there is already something being done in Kenya and other places where trees are not as abundant and are struggling to repopulate the environment with them because they're such slow growing and, you know, that's taking away a lot of food for a lot of different animals. So people started making these dried up, almost like poop balls, most of the time from cows, but yes, sometimes from people. And they will dry this poop out, roll it up into a ball, add a little bit of molasses, and they're about the size of a cannonball and it's fire fuel. It works just as good, if not better, than wood. And we're just letting it go to waste, normally in a hole or filtering it out for something else. Like, Or, I mean, granted, some people will use it for their crops, but for the most part, there is so much poop that's just going to waste. Now, real quick, they add the molasses in there simply just to make it smell more pleasant, but they do say that Even without the molasses, there's not really too much of a smell, especially from cow that's just kind of dried up grasses, honestly. And yeah, even for the people that started this program, it was gross sounding, okay? It was very hard to convince people to stop cutting down trees and cook their food over shit, all right? That's a very difficult thing to convince people to want to do. But they started getting people to do it, 
and they realize that it doesn't smell bad and that it works really great and they don't have to go super far away to find trees to chop down. So it works, which is why a lot of different conservation groups are actually going out and creating jobs and teaching different villages around the world how to create these poo fire starters making it easier for people to get sources of heat and also cooking material without destroying the environment and using up a material that is just, well, lying around. Because, like I said, there are other alternatives like electricity that you can get from greener sources. Also, they've done it with bananas and old coffee pieces as well to kind of create these fire starters and fire fuels, but sometimes looking at something we take for granted and have lots of, because let's be real, we have lots of shit and we'll never run out of it, can make changes to save the homes of animals like the Hispaniola Selenida. And that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the Hispaniola Selenodon. As always, make sure to check me out on Facebook and Twitter, which I will put links down in the show's description so that you can easily access it. As well as please share episodes and also please leave reviews or comments or anything like that. That just helps me build a better podcast because I'm not a mind reader and I have no idea how you actually feel about this. You could be listening to this out of spite. I don't know. But check it out. Um, Also new is I'm on iHeartRadio, so one more addition to the list of directories. But I think that's all I got. Thank you guys so much for listening once again, and until next time, see ya!